Amen. So good to see everyone here tonight. First Peter 4.10 states, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And tonight we're going to speak on gifts of the Spirit. In your introduction there, now you'll notice there are several verses throughout this lesson. I would not be quoting all of them or reading them, but a lot of this information has been told previously. To go back and read through these, there's a lot of great information here. We will just be highlighting a lot of things tonight. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12.1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The gifts of, spirit, the, gifts of the Spirit are God-given gifts of special anointing endowed to the Spirit-filled believers. These gifts cannot be earned or achieved through our own efforts. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Paul reveals the church as the body of Christ. He goes on to explain that the members of this body of believers will exercise different gifts, even as the members of the human body have different functions and purposes. He points out that we, as members of the body of Christ, are given different gifts designed to work together in harmony, just as the members of our physical body are designed to do. For instance, my hand has a responsibility. My eye has a responsibility. My feet, and when my body works in harmony, I can go places, I can do things. That's the same way the gifts of the Spirit. One of you may be used in the gifts of Spirit as far as the gift of tongues. Some may be in gifts of healing. We'll get to some of these as we go through this lesson. But if the gifts are not done in harmony, they're of no effect to the church. Actually, it's confusion. And this is why Paul was at the church of Corinth. He was telling them, you have the gifts, but you're not using them properly. So he talked to them and trained them and helped them. So it's very important we remember this. They've got to be, they have to be in harmony. All right. Besides the nine supernatural gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, there are other gifts mentioned in the scriptures, such as apostles, prophets, teachers, helps, administration, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, evangelist, and hospitality. There are diversities of gifts, differences of administration, and diversities of operation. Now you'll see the two Greek words there, diaconia is to minister or to serve, energema, or the energy in working, it's an effect. It is God's supernatural power working. God is the one that administers. God is the one that tells us how these are to operate. These are gifts that God sends to his church. He wants the church to be active in the gifts of the spirit. I mentioned to the last class, when the gifts of the Spirit are in full operation, or if we get to the point that they just come very easy in our services to it, we allow ourselves to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, it can basically set a church on fire. And if our church ever needed the gifts of the Spirit in operation, it's now. Now more so than ever. And I believe that's God's desire is for this church, this body right here, to allow the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in every service. 
We do have gifts of the Spirit in operation. There's some of them we're just more familiar about or we are more accustomed to when we go through here. I believe there's miracles, healings, and things that takes place in every service. So the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Ephesians 4 and 8 tells us that God gave gifts unto men. This includes the fivefold ministry as listed in verse 11. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And there's three purposes for these gifts, why they're given to the church. One is perfecting of the saints, which I put out for myself. This is to help us to grow and mature. For the work of the ministry, help us to be equipped. And for the edifying of the body of Christ, or to build us up and make us stronger. If ever is a day that we need to grow and mature, if ever there's a day we need to be equipped, if ever there's a day that we need to be edified and built up and made stronger, it's today. And this can come through the gifts of the Spirit. It was the other days I was there meditating and doing my Bible reading. There's a verse of Scripture that came to my mind, and I added it here. And every time I read this, it just makes, it just, I just feel the Holy Ghost in a special way. And it's all on your paper, but it's James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That's all God sends is good gifts and perfect gifts. And if we allow him to work those gifts in our lives, it can help us. We will not be perfect on this earth, but it's helping us to strive to perfection. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So now we'll go into the nine supernatural gifts defined, or manifestation. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 states, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. Remember I said there's only one that sends these gifts, and we know who he is. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, the gifts of the Spirit that I just read, those nine, the gifts of the Spirit can properly be divided into three categories. And here I will tell you, here's how they are. The first three is to know or revelation. These three gifts have to do with a revelation from God. Things that are revealed from God to us through His Spirit. In other words... God reveals something to you. The first one is the word of knowledge. And this first group, these first three, here they are. The word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And they should be pretty much in that order on your paper there. All right, the word of knowledge is when God reveals you information or facts of which you could not otherwise have known. For instance, we read Acts chapter 5. We're very familiar with Ananias and Sapphira. They sold some property. And of course, people were giving their money 
and they were to take their money and give it to Peter and them. Well, we know that a word of knowledge from God came to Peter, and if you allow me just to paraphrase it like this, he said, Peter, Ananias and Sapphira is going to come to you. You're going to ask them, did you sell your property? Yes. How much? But they're not going to tell you the truth. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. Because the Bible says when Ananias came, he said, you sold your property. Yes, sir. How much did you sell for? And he told him. And I don't know how Peter looked at him, but he said, Ananias, you didn't lie just to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost. And we know what happened. The Bible says he gave up the ghost and dropped to the ground. In other words, in today's terms, he died. About three hours later, here comes the fire. You know, you can fool people. You what? You can't fool God. And so here comes the fire. Same question. By Peter. Yes, see, they had already worked it out. Tell him, here's what we sold it for. And they thought they had their story and everything was going to be okay. But Peter looked at Sapphira and said, the same men that carried your husband out of here are the same men that's going to carry you out of here. And the Bible said she gave up the ghost and dropped to the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but that's that's a pretty stiff penalty. They didn't even get a chance. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Peter. We'll bring the rest up and give it to you. I am so thankful for God's grace and mercy today. I still don't want to just get to the point I just start telling stories and then ask, okay, God, can I just... You know? No, I always want to tell the truth. But I'm so thankful today that God gives us a second chance. Amen. So what was the problem? The, what information was supernaturally revealed to Peter? They lied about the sale price of their land, we said. Word of wisdom is the imparting of divine intelligence and understanding that enables us to act according to God's will, bringing a solution to known circumstances. When you talk about these gifts of the Spirit, they're very powerful. When you see what, what happens if we let God use us, so we go to the story in the Bible, most of you are familiar with, 1 Kings about Solomon. Of course, you remember when Solomon became king, God asked him what his desire was. He said, Lord, that I would have wisdom and knowledge that I could work with your people. And this pleased the Lord. So we know the first incident, that, well, one of the first incidents that Solomon had to deal with was the two mothers that came to him that both had given birth to a child. The one mother had rolled over on her child and basically smothered it to death. So she got up and tried to steal the other lady's child. Well, the other mom says, no, that's my baby. So the only thing they could do is go to the king. Now, instead of God giving Solomon knowledge of who they were, because had the Lord given Solomon the word of knowledge as the solution to the, the dilemma, he would have been told which woman was the real mother by name. But God wanted to show uh, Solomon that he could give him wisdom. However, God gave him wisdom to bring about the same results. How did he do this? Well, they go before him and they start arguing. Solomon goes, whoa, wait a minute. Bring me a sword. They bring him a sword. He said, we'll just cut the baby in half. Give half to this mother and half to that mother. 
Well, verse 26 states, Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay him. But what did the other lady say? To me, this was, she said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divided. Right then and there, Solomon knew who the real mother was. And so it's, it's, I mean, to know how God works through wisdom and knowledge is very powerful. Then there's the discerning of spirits. Is the supernatural ability to discern or recognize and identify the presence of an evil or good spirit. Have you ever walked up to someone, whether it's a church member, a family member, or anybody, maybe even a co-worker, and the Holy Ghost speak to you and you discern there's a spirit about them that could be good or it could be bad. That's discerning of spirits. You know, you hear people say things sometimes, and mm, I, that my, my spirit doesn't, doesn't feel comfortable with that. These are all gifts of the spirit, and God wants them in the church. Discerning of the spirits, as pastor was preaching the other night, and I thought, Lord, if we ever need discerning of the spirits in the church today. I'm not talking about just pastor, but I'm quite sure he would agree that we as a church body, Discerning. That doesn't mean now you have to go up and grab a microphone on you, but sometimes you can discern things. You can go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I think I discern something out there. That's what I would do. Now, sometimes you can go up to an individual or take them up to you and start, and God will give you the words to say to them. But there are still times I've gone to pastor with things. It doesn't make no difference if I get up there or like I'm speaking tonight to you. I still know who my authority is to go to and say, Pastor, here's what happened. I want to bring this to you. Because I feel he should always be aware of what's going on. So we read in Acts chapter 16, it was Paul and Silas. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She was into some different spirits, and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. And there's people out there today just like that in our world. The same followed Paul and, Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now what it was, she knew who they was. I don't know exactly what all she was saying to them, because she knew that she had powers, and her masters knew that she had powers. And I don't know if she was trying to outdo them or what, but the Bible says after a while, the Apostle Paul the Holy Ghost just raised up in him and he says, enough is enough. And he turned around and rebuked that. And it says the Spirit came out of her. He saved her. How do you know that? Because you drop down to the next verse of scriptures. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So were the woman's words true or false that she knew who they were? True. She knew who they were. 
But sometimes the devil, he knows who we are, but he tries to say things to throw us off or to confuse other people. That's when we, as the church of God, we have got to stand our ground and say, we know who Jesus are. We don't know who you are, but I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. We have the authority. And I'm just going to add this in. So I was reading this today. I just got to put this in for extra measure. So what do they do? Now, Paul turned around and rebuked that demon out of that war. That's powerful. But they thought, well, we're going to put a stop. This, this is when they take Paul and Silas and put them in jail. Put them in the inner pit. They're in the inner cell. We're going to stop them. But little did they know, the same power that rebuked that devil out of that woman is the same power that when Paul and Silas started to pray and to worship and to praise God at the midnight hour, they had a spiritual earthquake. They had the very first jailhouse rock the world has ever heard of. That place fell apart. The door swung open. Everybody was running for cover. What is going on? And it says even the jailer wanted to fall on his sword and take his life. Paul says, no, no, no. Oh, then Paul had another chance to preach to him. Can I just say it like this? You cannot outgive God. You can't outmuscle God. It just isn't going to happen. It won't happen. There's no way. We'll go to the next group. To act or power. These three gifts demonstrate the power of God. They give credence or belief to his reality and presence. It's the gift of the Spirit, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. So let's talk about the gift of faith. Gift of faith is confidence and knowledge in the heart about something that God will bring to pass. So we go down in Acts chapter 3. We're familiar with about Peter and John, how they used to go to the temple every day to pray and about the lame man that was there. But the Bible says one day, when Peter and John was on their way to the temple, that the lame man was sitting there and they didn't have any alms, or even they did have alms, they didn't put them in his cup because the gift of his faith came alive. Amen. Peter. He looked at the lame man. He said, Silver and gold have I none. He said, But such as I have. See, he knew. He knew something was going to happen that day. He knew God was going to touch that man. And they said, The Bible, and no doubt the man that was lame looked at Peter, and something happened in his eyes. They connected. Something's going to happen today. It's never happened before. The man had never walked a day in his life. They say, uh, they've said his age was somewhere between 38 to 40 years old. That's a lot of years to be crippled. But they said when Peter reached out, or the Bible says when Peter reached out, said, silver gold have I none, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that's exactly, he didn't just walk, but he leaped up shouting and giving God praise and glory for the first time in his life. The gift of faith is real. That's why even today, there's times you feel like if I just go pray for someone, God can and will heal them. Or there may be a need in your life that God will speak faith. I don't know, possibly, has anybody here tonight ever prayed about something and you just felt the faith so strong in your life it was going to happen? I've done it. It works. And it works today, too. 
So the gift of faith. So they asked Peter, well, how did this man get healed? He said, through Jesus' name and faith. Then there's the working of miracles. The working of miracles is the supernatural intervention that bypasses all the natural and physical laws by which we live. Some of the miracles that the apostles did, as we just read about in Acts 3, 1 and 9, the lame man was healed. In Acts 9, 36 through 40, Dorcas was raised from the dead. Now, I have to be honest with you. I've never been in a service or anywhere where a dead person was prayed for and they raised from the dead. I haven't seen that yet. Other than people who are dead in their sin. And God raised them filled with the Holy Ghost. And I don't know if you've been around anyone that's been their body have been dead and raised from the dead. But I ask myself the question, and I'll ask you the question. What would you do if you were in the hospital room and you felt faith come on you and you start to pray for that loved one and God raised them from the dead? I'm going to have enough faith. God's going to help me just stay right there. <laughs> there you go, Sister D. Go ahead and shout. No, that didn't scare me. I just like to shout. You say, can it happen, Brother Kelly? Yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it then. He can do it now. The diseased and evil spirits departed by the hand of Paul. And I also, in this here, talks about how Paul, when he prayed for people, Apostle Paul must have been something. It'd be great just to sit through one service and hear him preach. But it, this is where they even talked about when they took claws. Now, I, was, I did some research on he possibly had a hang, some hangings in his hands. Maybe they said wipe the sweat of his hands and had or his garment or other people. But it's like they just touch his garment and he'd take and lay it on the sick and they would be healed and recover. That's where I tell people we get like the prayer claws, I feel, from. Those, that's an act of faith. As I, I've told before, I did that one time, gave it to a lady I never met in my life. And she was having surgery, serious surgery. I gave it to her. I talked to her. She took it into surgery with her. And this is about 20 plus years ago. And she's still living. She had cancer. But she's still living. It was just, I, I sat in service right up here one night. I felt my faith. I went to pass. We know it and pray for It wasn't what I did. It's just that I was obedient to God. And that's what makes the difference. We have to be obedient to Him. So... We read in there in the, the gifts of, then we go to the gifts of healing. Okay, now the gifts of healing is the supernatural healing of the body or mind, not by diagnosis or by prescribing treatments, but by laying on of hands, anointing with oil, or sometimes just speaking the word. So in other words, the gifts of healing. You may be suffering from something when you come to church, whether it's a headache, backache, pains in your body, Maybe you haven't taken anything. You just feel like, I'm going to go to church tonight and be prayed for. You can get down and be prayed for, and God can touch you and heal you. This has happened. There's some of you in this room right now that's happened to you. The gift of healing. So, what did Paul do to the father of Publius? He laid hands on him and prayed, and he was healed. Now, Sometimes the gifts of the Spirit work together. So, 
either in John chapter 3 is a very good example where Peter and John walked up to the lame man, okay? As I said, the gift of faith. Peter was inspired by the gift of faith. God's going to heal that man. So he reached out. He prayed for him. His faith was activated. The man was healed. His body was completely healed. But it was also a miracle because he was healed instantly. So there was the act of faith, the act of healing of his body, but it happened by a miracle. God touched him immediately. Sometimes now healing may take days or weeks. There's other times it's a miracle. So the gifts of the Spirit do work in harmony. They can work together. So that's what we have to do. Then we get down to the third set, to speak or utterance. These three gifts deal with anointed utterances, saying or speaking aloud, because these gifts are vocal. They are conspicuous and easy to identify, and these are the three that most of us are more familiar with, or we see because you hear them speaking. Gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, and gift of interpretation. The gift of prophecy is the supernatural utterance in known language of the speaker and hearer. Most of us have heard prophecies come forth. We understand what they're saying. And there's a reason for prophecies. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. All right? So, should prophecies be judged? Yes. Yes, they should be judged. So that we know... Now, some prophecies will be fulfilled right away. Some people could say, God's going to do this, prophesy. God will do this next week, give you a day and a time. And it can happen. It really can. It's happened before. Some prophecies take longer. It's just that our patience gets tried. Then there's the gift of tongues. It's the supernatural utterance given by the Holy Spirit. And language is never learned or understood by the mind of the speaker. Now, they may be words unknown to the hearers, or of a language with which a hearer is familiar. So, we've heard messages in services, we've heard the interpretation in services, and we've heard the gift of prophecy in services. Now, if there should be a gift uh, of tongues given, and there's no interpreter, what should we do? Be silent. Now, Here's one other thing I want to remind you of. When it comes to interpretation, when it comes to interpretation, remember this, it's interpreting what they said, not translating it. That's why I think some people hold back because they think, well, I don't know that language they spoke. We're all human. We have to learn to yield to the Holy Ghost. Now, remember this. Just because you may feel a message in tongues, you feel like God wants me to give a message in tongues or give an interpretation, but then your flesh says, God will not force it. We have to yield our flesh to Him so He can speak through us, the Holy Ghost. So remember, that's why I feel sometimes maybe there are interpretations. People say, I ain't got one word. I ain't got one. If you notice the Holy Ghost, you feel so strong in the Holy Ghost. That's it. You say that word. It's happened before. 
God will take you from there because if you try to do the whole interpretation, you may miss part of what God really wants you to say. These aren't man-made things. These are spiritual things from God. That's why I have to tell my flesh, if I feel it, i got to yield to it. So I have that choice. I can either yield to the Holy Ghost or I can hold back. God never has. He never will force himself on anyone, even with the gifts of the Spirit. All right. There are 12 administrative gifts. Checking my time here. 12 administrative gifts defined. We'll go down through these. Uh, prophet is the divine enablement. There's, there's a lot of gifts in the Bible that God brings to us. And all of us in here can be a part. Now, I want to say something else. Don't think one gift is more special than the other. We're supposed to, we're supposed to seek the gifts earnestly. We're supposed to desire the gifts. But God doesn't want me to walk around and say, well, I got this gift, and it's better than what you have. No, 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 that's not the way God works. Every gift that God sends is good and perfect, and he gives it to you for a reason, to use in the church for the upbuilding of his kingdom. Prophets, there's people that can be a prophet, the divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity. A teacher, we have Sunday school teachers. That's a gift. If you're a Sunday school teacher... That's a gift in your life God's given you to teach those children. All he asks us is to teach them the truth. Evangelists, the divine enablement to so effectively communicate the message of Christ. And each one of these have, there explains to them in your uh, papers as to what they are. There's apostles and missionaries. Apostles is one that goes out and starts a new church, even here in Ohio. We have apostles in Ohio. If they went out and started a new church, they're there and they watch that church grow. They pastor that church so they can be an apostle. They can be a pastor. God can use them to prophesy to their church. God can use them through all these gifts of healing, of miracle, give them a word of knowledge. So you see, God, God will take us as far as we want to go in the gifts of the Spirit. And they are for everybody. They're not just for the ministry or a certain few in the church. You must have the Holy Ghost. You must have the Spirit. Amen. To be able to use the gifts of the Spirit. Now this one here, shepherd and pastor. I thank God for our pastor. Amen. God has sent Pastor Boulder in our way. He's here at the right time. He's in the right place. I thank God for Pastor and Sister Boulder and their family. They have been a blessing to this church, and God did send them here. People think just anybody can pastor. No. I thank God that we have a pastor that listens to the voice of God and his wife. That's why we hold them up in prayer. I pray for God speaking to their lives every day. Give them words of wisdom and knowledge to speak to us because he's responsible for our souls. That is one of the heaviest responsibilities that anyone can have placed upon them. That's why we want to pray for our pastor. Encouragement and exhortation, ability to reassure when you see brothers and sisters who are discouraged, go up to them. Speak words of encouragement. Hospitality. The divine enablement to care for new or needy people by providing fellowship, food, and shelter. Leadership. These all are very important gifts to the church. The divine enablement to attract, lead, and motivate people to accomplish the work of the ministry. Mercy. Administration and government. That's why you have 
department leaders that oversee our departments, that's a big responsibility. This is all to see the church grow and move forward for Jesus Christ. All right, in giving of oneself, of your money, your time, your energy, other resources, there's helps. God expects us to do that. The divine, the divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks that meet needs within the body of Christ. God wants us to help each other, in other words. Help each other out. If you see a brother or sister in need, help them out. Then more on the gifts as we close. The supernatural speaking in tongues was not given for the purpose of speaking to other men of different languages to further the gospel. It was for the purpose of speaking to God and not to man. Are they usually understood? No. Did Paul desire everyone to speak in tongues? Some said, well, Paul said do away with tongues. Well, I disagree with you 100% because that is not in the Bible I read. God's word said Paul did not do that. Paul, he wanted everybody to be able to speak in tongues. Did Paul speak in tongues often? Yes. Did Paul ever forbid speaking in tongues? No. In praying in an unknown tongue, synonymous with praying in the, is, is praying in an unknown tongue synonymous with praying in the spirit? Yes. Since prophecies, tongues, knowledge have not ceased, we know that which is perfect. Anybody know what that word, who that stands for? Jesus. Oh, that which is perfect has not yet come. I'm looking for that day when he splits the clouds of glory. We are expecting a completion of God's kingdom when he comes. So until he comes, until he comes back for his bride, he wants us to exercise all the gifts of the Spirit. You can have faith to exercise all the gifts, to work miracles, heal the sick, and even raise the dead. But without one very essential ingredient, it would profit you nothing. What is that ingredient? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Love or charity. According to 1 Corinthians 14, 26, all things are done for the purpose of what? Edifying. That's why we must be in harmony with the gifts of the Spirit. They were sent to edify, to uplift us, to make us stronger. For this whole world we're living in, God wants us to be stronger than ever been before. As it's been said many times, the world gets darker and darker. But remember this, the church is the light. As the world gets darker, the light is going to get brighter. And as the light gets brighter, that's what's going to draw people to our services. Amen. There is hope and peace for everyone. Amen. Pastor, did you have anything you would like to share? Let's give him a hand clap of appreciation. My goodness. Amen. It's the uh, third time I've heard Brother Kelly teach that. And every time he's taught it, I've gotten something even deeper. And, and I will tell you, that's the power of the Word of God. I, I do know one thing that uh, 
the for and I I preached this at a church uh, many years ago, and I was talking about the side effects of the Spirit, and how we have so many things in the New Testament church that were not present in the Old Testament under the law, and we have what I call side effects of the Spirit when. The Holy Ghost outpouring took place. Obviously, before that, the Spirit of the Lord would dwell on men, prophets of God. He would speak to them in a specific way, but he did not speak to the people in general. He spoke through individuals, prophets. And so they everything hinged on what that prophet said. So when you read about prophecies and so forth like that, these are utterances that are based upon the Word of God, that are in line with the Word of God and the Spirit of the Lord. And so I know somebody came one time years ago and told me that somebody prophesied over them that they were supposed to marry so-and-so. That's scary stuff because you're playing with something very powerful here, especially when you're talking about these things. And I asked who it was. The individual was unclear, but the bottom line was, I said, well, I said, did that already happen? I mean, did the Lord already speak to you about that? Because usually when there's a prophetic utterance given, God has already spoke to you and a prophecy. Usually when somebody approaches you, ministry and so forth, God has already been dealing with you about that. And that's basically confirmation of what God said. Because God will not do it any other way. He's not a God of confusion. And whenever there is confusion, a deceiver is present. And so that's how you're able to discern some of these things. Uh, we have to be very careful I asked the individual, she said, no, uh, I did not. That's the furthest thing from my mind. I said, well, then don't receive that. There may have been some zealous approach to that, some good intentions, but maybe the guy slipped him a 20 and told him to tell her that. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that's not how God works. Um, God's not spooky. No, not. And anytime you ever sense fear or confusion, you know that's not coming from God. Be careful. One last thing I will share, and then we'll fellowship. Um, and, and we have to be very careful when we're de dealing with this subject. There's a lot of churches that try to avoid this or just leave it for the pastor to teach only. Uh, I have very much faith in, in, in Brother Kelly. Uh, not only is he a yes, go ahead. He, um, not only does he understand what he's sharing, but also he's experienced it in his life. But I had an individual one time um, we have to be very careful with these matters. We don't go around to traveling uh, prophecy things and this is and that because there is a confusion out there that you have to be careful about. The individual came to my office uh, one time. She said, uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. The last few weeks I have just been in just despair. I don't feel good. I feel like something's oppressing me. I, I just don't feel, I feel off. I can't pray. I can't break through. And I asked her, I said, well, where have you been? And, um, and she went on to say that she was, went to this conference and uh, it was not of our faith. And what happened was is that she went to the front of the area and some prophetess prophesied over her uh, and spoke some things over her. And what happened was, and the Lord revealed that to me in my office with her husband in there, I said, uh, you have a spirit of confusion on you. And I asked her where she'd been. She told me. I said, well, what happened? She went on to tell me. I said, and when did this happen? Two weeks ago. I said, so what you're saying from that moment on, you have been dealing with this oppressive spirit on you, and you've been dealing with these things. And she said, absolutely. I said, okay. 
I said, it's pretty, pretty clear what's going on is because when you open up yourself to the spirit world, you are opening yourself up to anything that's out there. You have to be very careful that you are in an atmosphere of truth. The Bible says spirit and truth, capital S. That means that there is a literal spirit of truth. And when you get outside of that, go ahead. When you get outside of that spirit of truth, you're in dangerous waters. You've got to be careful because we don't take an alphabet of spirituality out there and say we can take it all. That's not the truth. We have got to have absolute truth based upon the word of God. And if these things do not add up in witnesses or your pastor is giving to you as a covering and bounce things off of me, we'll share some things. Uh, long story short, we prayed for that woman and immediately that spirit of confusion left her and she was relieved of that oppressive spirit. We have to be careful. I had a, a minister, and usually our ministry team knows that, uh, even Brother Eli Hernandez was in, he was here. He, God would use him many times in gifts of the spirit. Brother Robinette, who's gonna be here this week, God uses him in gifts of the spirit. We had Brother uh, Kleindens as well, uh, being used of gifts of the spirit and understanding things, seeing things as God would give uh, that, that now it's not spooky, not weird, not off. Uh, but one thing I used to do is I used to stay close by because I want to hear what's being spoken to the people that I'm privileged to pastor. Amen. Keep me informed of what's going on. And if somebody gives you a word, okay, and they did not touch base with your pastor, you need to let your pastor know immediately because that's not how God works. That's out of line. What God will do is God will speak and God will give an impression. Brother Kelly was sharing that. The purpose of a pastor is a covering, as a shepherd. And I even had our ministry one time, the Lord spoke, uh, gave uh, one of our ministers a word. He came to me and said, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me about somebody, and I'll feel to give them this information, gifts of the Spirit or an operation. I said, okay. I said, go do it, because I feel confirmation in my spirit, and the Lord already spoke to me as well. And that is to protect the congregation, to protect the saints that I get to uh, privilege to pastor. And so he sent, went out, gave the word, it came forth, and it was edifying to that individual. Um, the uh, last thing I will say in regards to this particular area, even when it comes to praying for people, we have to be very careful. Um, we had a gentleman show up here one time, and he said, I'm just here to fellowship. It was in this building. He said, I'm just here to fellowship. And what he was saying was, I'm not going to submit myself to anybody. I'm going to do my own thing whenever I want to do it and just kind of float and, uh, and see how this thing rides out. So he came, and I let him fellowship and say, well, you're welcome to fellowship. That's fine. But what he started doing was start laying hands on people. He started prophesying over people, speaking to people. And I immediately, one particular night, went down and told him, I said, sir, I said, who's your pastor? He said, looked at me kind of funny. I said, who's your pastor? And he goes, well, I guess you are. I said, so what you're saying is that you are no longer here just fellowshipping, but this is where your church is. You're going to submit yourself to the pastor of this church and to the spirit of the Lord in this church. And he just looked at me kind of funny. He said, well, I'll do whatever you need me to do. That's fine. And I went on to tell him, I said, well, listen, I said, until you can say yes to that, I said, do not be praying for other people in this church. I'm a protective pastor. Is that okay? I care about you. I love you. I don't want anybody doing anything goofy. And uh, sometimes it rubs the feathers the wrong direction with people, but I protect you because I love you. And this individual, I said, so stop praying for people. And so it wasn't but a week or two later, he was calm, he was fine. Next thing you know, he's reaching across the aisle, laying hands on people, prophesying them again. I came down and told him, I said, listen, 
I said, you have no authority to do what you are doing, and I'm asking you to cease and desist in praying for people. He said, what do you mean I have no authority? I said, because you're not under authority. You don't have authority until you place yourself under authority. That is God's plan. And when that's in order, that's when things begin to work. That's why submission is so important. It's critically important that we are not tumbleweeds. We're not doing our own thing as renegades, but we must submit ourselves. Therefore, the free flowing of God's spirit will be completed. Let's stand. Thank you again, Bishop. I love you. And uh, thank him and Sister Kelly. We love them so much. And uh, one more time, let's give thanks to the word of God. It was rich. Amen. And if you have any questions or any comments or anything following, just uh, just catch us up or we'll linger up here for a little while. If you have any questions, we're here for that. Uh, have you all been enjoying the, the Grow series? Oh, yeah. When this is all done, you'll have 12 lessons. You'll have 12 lessons in your folders, and you'll be able to reach back and, and study these out again and gain knowledge. That's the goal that we are all on the same page and we are growing together. Praise God. Won't you elbow somebody, smile at someone, and say, I enjoy growing with you? Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're going to pray and we're going to dismiss. And Brother John, I think you're going to say something about the food and everything? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we give you glory and praise and thank you, Lord, for the lesson that we've heard tonight, the word of God, so rich. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would not only just hear it, but also apply it to our lives. Let us be sensitive to your spirit and grow by your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that we as the saints of the most high God will be edified, Lord, that we would walk in your word, God, walk in the spirit, God, and not be afraid, Lord, of what you would have us to do, especially in the administrative gifts, Lord. Let those flourish in our church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For the memory. Thank you. Um, real quick, the, the last week, the 24th,